This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. There is a simple, powerful antidote to the core problematic emotions that fester within your heart. Self-love. Self-love is the key that opens the door of consciousness transformation. Because of this, much of Simon's self-salutations work is rooted in connecting you to your capacity for self-love. Once you have tended to your negative feelings in this way, the self-salutation then offers you a means to reestablish yourself in a healthy stance towards others and life. Valeria interviews Simon Tim. He is the author of An Introduction to Self-Salutation, a mindfulness meditation series. Simon Tim is a mindfulness and meditation teacher and the author of the book An Introduction to Self-Salutation, How to Resolve Negative Emotions Through Mindfulness Meditation. Simon spent most of his college years battling depression, Unwilling to spend the rest of his life on medication, he searched for another way of living with himself after college. The way he found was meditation. Simon moved into a Hindu ashram and spent 16 years as a monk. When he left the monastic life in 2011, he recognized the need for a meditation practice to help resolve the negative feelings within him rather than just help lift above them. This prompted him to explore different modalities of personal transformation and ultimately to develop the self-salutation. He also earned a master's in religion from Yale at that time. Simon currently lives with his spouse, Allison, in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Meet Simon at selfsalutation.com. Here's the interview with Simon Tim. In your own words, who is Simon Tim? <laughs> yeah, yeah, si- Simon Tim. Who is Simon Tim? It's it's a, a more challenging question to to answer than uh, you would think. But I I think ultimately I'm a seeker. I think in in my heart of hearts, who who I really am, I'm a seeker. I'm a lover of God. I'm I'm a devoted husband. I'm a former Hindu monk. I think that's a huge part of my story. I spent 16 years as a Hindu monk and that shaped my my sense of identity in in really profound ways. A lot of the reason for that is that the tradition I was a part of and the meditation practices I was steeped in were all about identity, the question of who am I and and coming in touch with the true person that we really are, which is which is not not as easy as as you would think. I mean, 
I often ponder how just the idea of self-realization is kind of a weird thing. I mean, like, how is it that I have trouble realizing myself? Mm. It, it would seem to be the most obvious of things yeah. for me to realize. So I'm a seeker and a lover of God. I'm, uh, I'm a survivor. I don't, I don't share that a lot, actually, or talk about that, but I'm a trauma survivor. Um, I appreciate that, that that's something that you share and, and talk about, and, and that's what really moved me to share that. Uh, I survived childhood trauma, and I think that also shaped my path and, and, and who I am and the kind of waters that I ended up swimming in. And... At the same time, I'm, I feel like a person with a bit of a burden. I, I've been given a lot in life, and, and I, I feel a need to share it. And, and so that's the mission I'm on right now, sharing, sharing the, the things I've been given with, with the, uh, the self-salutation. I'm, I'm an author of, of a book and creator of a meditation process called the self-salutation. That's who Simon Tim is today. Oh. Wow, so much to uncover, to unpack. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah. Ah, yes, I am a seeker. That caught my attention first. So what is that that you're seeking? Do you have a vision for what that is? I'm seeking connection. I'm seeking a state of, of connection, a state of connection with other people. I'm seeking a state where I'm free from the negativity and the the things that I see or experience in myself that I know at other times are less than I can be or aren't true to myself. I'm seeking, as I've mentioned already, I've done a lot of meditation and in meditation, you can come to experience yourself in profound ways, in free, wonderful, profound ways. And then you lose that experience. And so I'm seeking, I'm seeking those experiences again and seeking a state where, where I'm in greater touch with those experiences throughout more of the time. Wow, it's so clear to me. I have to say, I share those, um, let's say, uh, those desires, those, I would say mm. longing. The word that comes yeah. to me is longing more than mm -hmm. desire mm -hmm. or seeking even, but it's a longing, right? Mm. The more we get to know ourselves <laughs> at all mm -hmm. levels, the more we get to understand them or how to navigate the, the experience called life to get mm -hmm. to that, if we can. If possible, of course. I love the way you talk about connection, uh, being free of from negativity. That's a big one for me and from, I think, most human beings. Another question that came to mind when I was listening to you describe yourself it was being a Hindu monk. What inspired you to to want to experience that to become a monk in the first place? Well. My search really began in, in my last year of college. I, was, I started to uncover my childhood trauma in college and recognize it and 
and went through tremendous depression, bouts of depression during that time. I was on medication. I was on Prozac. I was on lithium for some time. And I tried to get off it when I started to feel a little better after a couple of years, but couldn't find it. And then it became, honestly, it became kind of an existential crisis as I, as I went through day, but day after day, taking my happy pills, you know, and, and, uh, they helped me. I'm not, I'm not encouraging people to stop taking their medication if they're on medication necessarily but it became a, a a real existential crisis for me where i began asking myself why is it that i'm unable to be with myself or live with myself in some way what is it that's that's making me that and I finally decided to seek out another way. And I went out, basically went on a quest, went searching and, and tried to look at the world with clear eyes, tried to look at the world, tried to shed all of my prejudices and ideas about what was right or wrong or, or everything I had learned and just shed my trappings of growing up as a white middle-class guy, straight guy in, in, in the Midwest of America. And I, so that led me on a journey in, in, in different corners of, of the country. And, and eventually it led me to the place that most seekers in this country go which is california (laughs) (laughs) Um, and i ended up in an ashram in california and i i had i just had profound experiences with with the meditation process i was learning there and and with the the bhagavad-gita india's india's great book of wisdom and it helped me the the teachings helped me the meditation helped me it it gave me a way of relating to my mind in a different way and and really helped me to extract myself from from a lot of the mental anguish that that I was in yes i, I did read that in the book about depression while you're in college and of course i had a very much that there's um, an idea that that was the reason. Mm. It's interesting to listening to you to think about my own journey. I was just yeah. trying to think about, I was not really diagnosed with depression, but I was depressed, mm-hmm. feeling depressed mm-hmm. for a long time, anxious. I mean, there was the symptoms of trauma, they were all there. But I, mm. I never did therapy, I never taken medication. Mm-hmm. I was kind of self-medicating myself, self-medicating through sure. working out, taking care of the body and, and going really into the extremes of that, really. Not taking It's anything. a healthier path than I took, honestly. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to, we have to deal with it in one way or another. Mm. Yes, right. So it feels to me in a way, Simon, that life seeks harmony seeks balance so Mm -hmm. it's 
as if we are life as opposed as, as having a life. Mm-hmm. We see that in the natural world, the plants, everything in the natural world works, operates that way. It's always looking mm-hmm. to find harmony. So it really doesn't surprise me that it would be the same with humans. As long mm-hmm. as we are not in harmony, in a sense of being happy, peaceful, at mm-hmm. all levels, it will keep looking for it. It will keep driving us yeah. into those yeah. states. It feels that way. It really does. Um, it might sound okay. abstract for some people, but it feels real to me. Well, and thank goodness for that. And and I think even the 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 beauty of of life, just just following that thread a, a little bit in my own way, is that even those moments when things seem to to crumble, mm, yeah, is 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 really actually just an expression of of life pushing, mm. bringing us into. The potential of some new state, mm. new some new unfolding, some new level of harmony. Mm. Yes, a billion times. <laughs> it just yeah. even listening to you now saying in different words mm-hmm. the same thing. It just like the body responds to it. You know, I, my, mm-hmm. I have a smile on my face. Like yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> it. Just resonates energetically. Let's see. So the topic of our conversation, I want to just mention that, is self-love and self-acceptance. And the title, the suggested title by you is Why Self-Love Beats Perfectionism Any Day. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> that's a fun <laughs> title. When I read it, like, yes, of course. And I had a smile and I just, that's it. I usually make uh-huh. up my own titles, but this is just uh-huh. perfect. Not being a perfectionist, not coming from for perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. So... Let me see what question to ask you right away. Huh? So many. Self-love. What comes first? <laughs> self-love or self-acceptance? Hmm. I think the two are intimately related. And I encourage people on their journey to start with self-acceptance because it's uh, a little more concrete or accessible oftentimes as opposed to self-love. And... Self-acceptance is, is in many ways where the rub is, you know. So we have, some people call it an inner critic. I, I, I use the term inner critic, inner judge, because, I, you know, when I think of critics, I think of like Siskel and Ebert, you know, chewing popcorn and, uh, you know, in, in the movie theater. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, 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 and <laughs> what's going on inside my mm. heart is something very different. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, it's a judge with edicts mm. and, you know, it's a trial. It's not. A... Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that learning learning how to accept ourselves is, is probably a great place to start. Ultimately, I think, think that acceptance can can turn into into love but acceptance is a wonderful first step Mm, yes yes that has been my case my understanding too my felt understanding at the time Mm -hmm. how do you define self-love these days simon i define self-love as as a felt experience so so what i'm going for and what i'm working to to help people experience themselves is 
is an energy is is a like a vibration it's it's the it's the kind of feeling that you have when when you're in a warm embrace with someone that you really love when your heart just fills up with with all the positive energy of that love and i so so what i'm really working to help people have is not just you know a momentary experience of that or uh, an intellectual idea of that but actually learning how to become steeped in in a felt experience of that love is a current love is an energy love is uh an experience that we can have and the more we're able to learn how to experience that ourselves for ourselves to tap into our own wellspring of love and to give ourselves that wellspring of love the more we're able to well first of all it it feeds the great need that's driving us all you know i, I had a uh, teacher once who said something I find so powerful. He said that every action is either an expression of love or an expression of the desire for love. Mm. Mm. I don't know if you've yeah. heard that before, but yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's so true. If we, if we scrape away the subtext of, so many of our actions throughout the day and you, you really look at what's really going on there you, you'll find that in one way or another at the root of of what we're really after is we're seeking love or we're expressing love and uh when but the problem is for most of us in most of the day it's not coming out in a great way, you know, it's coming out as something very different. And so, and maybe it's coming out in, in terms of frustration or like resentment for someone else for not loving us, or maybe it's coming out in terms of uh, a fear of not getting loved, or maybe it's coming out as anger for not being loved. Or maybe it's coming out as a, 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 a fear about the future that, that there's not going to, that there's not love in the world for us or that, that we're going to be on our own in some way or out on our own or in, in some negative state like that. And so at the, at the root of, of, so many of our problems is is actually this this need for love but the amazing thing is love is something that that we can tap into in our own heart and experience for ourselves and give to ourselves and have uh by ourselves and and the beautiful thing is that when we when we learn how to do that, when we learn how to tap into our own well of love, well, it, 
it frees us from all the other needs and fears and ways of interacting with others and um, frustrations with ourselves and others. It frees us in tremendously powerful ways. And, and it also enables us to, to, to be there, to, to, to be a person with love for others around us who are all you know, groping in some way or another in, in a desire for love. Yes, 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 a billion times. <laughs> it's very <laughs> clear to me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, wow. Uh, one of your guided questions to me, use a term that I never heard before. The question is, what is the relationship between self-love and self-confrontation? I heard confrontation. I never heard those words together. Self-confrontation. Self-confrontation. So, yeah, yeah, talk to me about that for a moment. Well, so when I left the monastic life and I embarked on a transformational, more of a personal transformational journey into healing and into the therapeutic world, I, I... came to understand after a certain point in time that first I I started out, I was trying to change myself. I was trying to fix myself. I was trying to work on myself in, in ways. And what I came to recognize was that it was not necessary for me to change myself so much as it was to change my relationship with myself. And, and the first part of that is is what I've what I've been sharing so far, which is learn learning how to become my best friend, learning how to love and accept myself, and 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 be there for myself in in ways that I that I had never been before or had never even thought of before, and in all the ways where I was critical of myself, I needed to supplant that with, with, with love and acceptance instead. At the same time, if there's a level at which you're not being honest with yourself, there's going to be a barrier in your self-acceptance it's going to create a a a, disharm, a state of disharmony or an imbalance. There's going to be a a, ch- a a challenge or some kind of a difficulty in in your acceptance because in your heart of hearts you'll know that okay, there's there's an untruth there that's that's blocking that that energy. And so the kind of self-confrontation that I think goes hand in hand with, with love and acceptance is learning to be really honest with yourself about, about what's going on in your heart, about what the feelings are that are in your heart. And this is often the real rub comes with negative feelings. It's like we have negative feelings that we don't want to admit, we don't want to see. We don't want to deal with. We hope they would go away. And so the the kind of confrontation that that I self confrontation that I do recommend 
and encourage and help people is finding the courage to to see whatever it is that you need to see within your heart and to feel whatever it is that you need to feel. Oftentimes, uh, it's some um, some kind of a, a fear uh, that that drives us, or sometimes, like we talked about earlier, sometimes there are uh, buried wounds from childhood that we've hoped we know we would never have to look at or talk about or experience or expose ever again. But uh, unhealed wounds, uh, they don't just sit there. They they have a way of beckoning us to, uh, to find healing. And so, so the, you know, the other side of, of self-love and acceptance is, is really cultivating the, the courage for, for the ability to, to see yourself as you, as you truly are. That's a powerful message and an empowering one for all of us, mm. not just to know, but to be reminded of. Mm-hmm. As I listen to you, parts of me are being reminded of that. It goes back to the relationship, as you um, mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. I guess the question that I wanted to ask you now is, when did you uncover, when did you actually experience that, that shift in the relationship you had with certain parts of yourself? Was it a moment of recognition that you were in love with yourself or in a sense kind of bathing in your own love? Or this was a process, step-by-step, moment-by-moment awareness and realization? Yeah, actually, it was, it was quite the opposite. I mean, I was, <laughs> it was more like a moment when I realized, okay, the previous way of relating with myself is not going to work. You know, the, um, the beatings will continue until the morale improves, you know that that i think that's that's a an inner psychology that that we all internalize actually you know and uh i i came to a point where uh my my life as a monk ended when when uh, after i had been a monk for for many years i um i took on the project of opening a cafe in the east village and i was a cook everyone takes turns cooking in the ashram people you know people like my cooking people you know sometimes people would say oh you should open a restaurant and i uh so one day i did (laughs) and uh and uh and it ended up ending it, it, it became a wonderful a failure for me because it ended up exposing the all the challenges in my own way of approaching spiritual life and all the ways I was hiding from myself because it was way too much for me to to accomplish and and uh, it became 
a massive struggle, a fiasco. Yeah, you call cafe fiasco, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a fiasco. And uh, it tore apart the ashram. It was it was very it was very rough, but um, but it brought me to my knees. And it and it, and the the failure of of that and the resulting realizations I had around that 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 drew me out of the ashram and in, into more of a realm of transformational work, but. All, all of that happening, it brought me to my knees. I mean, I, I was, uh, I, it was a, it was like a sad divorce, you know, leaving the monastic life. It, if you want to be a monk, you have to be married to it. I mean, it has to be like a profound level of commitment. And when all of that ended for me, I was devastated. I was, I, uh, I was in a university studying. It happened to sort of that. That's how I exited. That's how I left. I went. I went. Did a master's degree, and there were times when uh, I just had to like kind of go rush into the library stacks because I would just be overwhelmed with with sadness, and I had to find a place where I could just be alone and and um, have this wave of sadness go over me and, and grief. So it was a very, it was a very difficult time. And, and, and during that time, I, I finally, I came to a point where the, the weight of the failure, um, was so burdensome on me that I realized in, in, in that moment, I realized that I, I can't like, beat myself out of this. I can't, I can't get through this in the old ways that I have of, of doing things. And at th that point in time, I realized the only, the only way to get through this is to, is love. The only way I'm going to get through this is if I just learn to love and accept, and accept myself with all my, with all my shortcomings, all my flaws. It's, uh, I can relate to that. Um, mm. Yes, very much, right? Over and over yeah. again, uh, coming into the realization of love being the guide, being that, uh, let's say, that steady, that powerful center and just being connected to it. I mean, that message in, has never left me uh, since I was a child even. But then it's interesting how we, we get lost, you know, we just, yeah, we move away from that, that center. So this is one of the topics that I talk here on this podcast over and over again, just to get to understand this dance better of kind of feeling connected and then disconnected, feeling connected to love, to essence, you know, to God, and then disconnecting. Is that, you know, in the end, that's my question, really, is that really meant to be? Perhaps it's meant to be that way, isn't it? In order to experience this, which we call life, then this is the dance. This is the movement of, you know, duality, non-duality. Although, I mean, I keep that in, in mind even, not just in, in my intellect, but also in my, the ego, that only God exists. Only there's no two. I'm a, I'm a student of Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta. So it has helped me a lot to kind of 
to train the mind to see this relative reality as one interconnected tree. So there's no really, there's nothing that's not really connected to essence, to God, to love, or basically everything is God. We are God. Everything is God. But not in the sense of the feeling sense of separateness. There's a, there's a felt sense that we are separate, but that's the illusion of it. So I guess I talk from the point of view of Vedanta and using these words that they speak that way, but it really resonates with me. I had, I've been informed by this knowledge. So it's not easier for me to reconnect faster now. But it's also much, it's much clear, it's so clear to me, the interconnectedness of it all. It feels like two, three billions, but it's not. <laughs> and, it, and I know it's not. So there's um, this really felt knowing that, ah, it, everything is, it's okay, everything's fine. But it's still a dance and it's still within the body-mind complex and the, the day-to-day living and all. It's still, it's, it still feels like uh, we are disconnected from time to time, but it, it is basically an illusion. So, I mean, from my point of view, so I'd love for you to comment on that, Simon. Yeah, I think, I think that we, we like to think in a, in, in a, terms of straight lines or black and white lines or something like that but but we live in a world that's actually things things go in waves everything is waves not 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 a straight line like that and so there's not really an inside or outside or there's 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 an up and down and a back and forth and there's a just a natural flow in life. And so, so yeah, we go, we go through periods in time where we do feel like we're in the, in the low point and maybe pulled away from God or separated. And then we come back and we, we get to a point where we're more connected than ever. And then, and then, you know, there's this, there is this dance. I, I like the word dance that you use for it because we are, we're, we're, we're fluctuating, going back and forth in and out and, and around and around. I like the, a, a, another symbol that I like is um, the symbol of the spiral going going inward because a lot of times we feel like oh i'm going around and around in circles here but no actually you're going you're in a spiral so maybe you're covering similar ground here but but you're coming closer to the center you're 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 on your journey and you're you're coming closer to the center and we're going we are coming in and out of states of connectedness and consciousness but but there is a um, there's a an ultimate thrust to it, which is union, connection, love, and and, and deeper and deeper states of that. It, it, that might be 
the dance that we are most interested in. <laughs> this mm. getting deeper and deeper into this reflection of pure consciousness, you know, of God. Mm. And mm-hmm. what it would be like <laughs> to dance that dance, um, mm. to have a body, mind that reflects that. Yeah, that's an amazing vision, though. And one that might take, for some people, <laughs> they have said, take takes lifetimes <laughs> to learn how to dance that one. Wow. <laughs> and that's the dance of enlightenment. Um, that word, it's a word that I often don't use. And you, you use that, that word in, in your book, in the intro of your book. You have a quote by Carl Jung. So mentioning your book again is an introduction to the self-salutation, a mindfulness meditation series. What a wonderful book, too. I love the way you, I have to say this even before the quote, uh, the way you clearly, I mean, you, you, you kind of put together this, the book, the teachings with your own story, which makes very relatable. And it's more digestible that way in a sense of mm. connecting to another human being from, from compassion and empathy. So that mm. opens the heart. And then now it feels like we become more, the mind becomes more open to teachings that way. And, but of course, as I said to you off record, I went and I didn't follow your instructions and I went all over the place. Mm. I was all over, all over it. Like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. And then everything is interesting. And, and then I didn't know what, what the beginning was, what the middle was. And that was completely <laughs> like everywhere. <laughs> uh, that was, you know, and yeah. I, I do. Uh, so I have a newsletter where I send out uh, emails also. And I, you know, I go all over the place with, with my newsletter also. So, so I, I, I do, there's a benefit to going from, from A to Z with it, but, um, but you know, you know, it broke okay. your own rule. You were going yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> good to know okay. that too. <laughs> Speaking of ways, right? Non-linear ways of navigating this reality. That's it. Oh gosh, I just there's something about yeah, I think yeah, I was in need of I remember when I was really in need of being linear, of, of following step by step, one, two, three, A, B, C, when mm-hmm. I was feeling the mind needed uh structure. And the mind mm-hmm. needed help. It was so I mean, it was so mired in so much confusion at, mm-hmm. at the level of the mind that um, that was needed at that time. I remember being very linear, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. once I became more, uh, let's say, healed, uh, different parts mm-hmm. parts of me healed. Then it just kind of uh, it became more like a, a flow, and that's I can feel like my whole being kind of moving, going through life, moving not as parts, but as a whole, that there's mm. no really beginning, middle, or end. There's no, ah, yeah, th- there's mm. no structure to it. Um, mm. So there's something about that. Maybe that's why I use the, w- the word dense that kind of attracts me. And I, I choose to use that word for a reason. Going back to the quote. So you said, uh, oh, uh, Carl Jung said, you're quoting him. Uh, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. That's a powerful quote because the true one from the perspective of the, of the, the mind, human experience, trying to reflect that, that more of that light, that pure light. So and this is what it came across to me in your book, that that's what you're trying to teach, really. So we can become more conscious of what's what's happening here that it's in the unconscious. So it's not even subconscious, it's unconscious. 
I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that because I have been asking that question for a while now. What's the difference between the subconscious and the unconscious? And yeah, talk to me for a moment about that, um, Simon. You know, I, I, so that's a, that's a great question. And I, I've wrestled with that quite a bit, of course. I, what I came to conclude or the way I use the terms, honestly, is a little bit synonymous. I, I, um, I take the subconscious to be things that we're not conscious of, but could be easily conscious of. You know, if we just, you know, with a, with a little bit of effort, um, you know, become more conscious of them, uh, bring them up to, to mind. Like, for example, um, you know, maybe it's very common. It used to be very common for me. It's very common for most people, I think, to feel sort of out of sorts, but not know why. And in those situations, um, the, the why, there's usually a very clear reason why. Like someone said something to you or some, you saw a bill or something happened, you know, that, uh, triggered some kind of fear in, in, in the heart. And, and, and we, at the time we think like, Oh, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to, you know, move on. And, but, it, but we didn't shake, shake, shake it loose so easily. Or someone said something to us and we were like, I'm, I'm not going to let that bother me. But, but it did bother me. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, so, so th those are subconscious things. You know, those are subconscious things. They're things that are easily accessible, but 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 things that we've just shoved a little bit out of sight. Whereas um, something in the unconscious, in in my way of seeing it, is something that may take like coming to a very 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 deep place within yourself to to actually recognize so if you'll permit i'll give you a quick example yeah so in when i started to excavate the trauma of my childhood what i gradually discovered was that there were all kinds of shades of the trauma that that I had not really resolved or dealt with, by which I mean, as a child, I made certain decisions about how to respond to things or how to move forward in my life that took me years to unravel. Like, oh, I'm this way because I, when I was four, this happened and I, I kind of made a choice that this is how I was going to respond to it. I had, um, was taken from my mother's custody when I was four and I went to, um, a preschool at the time. And I, until literally until a couple of years ago, I thought my preschool teacher had a special affection for me because I was special. 
And it was only a couple of years ago, actually, that it dawned on me through the course of some healing work I was doing where I realized, actually, she took me under her wing a little bit. She did treat me in a special way, but she did that because she must have seen how badly I was hurting. I was this wounded four-year-old. She must have recognized that. And um, the, uh, the lesson that I drew from that, and it took me years of work to uncover this, but the lesson that I drew from that is, if I'm a little bit of a wounded bird, I will find love that way. And so uh, there's a way in which I carried a little bit of a wounded bird nature to myself because that was the way that I learned how to, that I could get love when I was four and I needed it badly. So that, you know, the, that, uh, the unraveling of all of those kinds of, uh, you know, ways that I had of being, etc., was buried deep in my unconscious. When I uncovered it, it was like uh, frozen in time, you know. But uh, but it took uh, like a huge amount of excavating and just uh, you know patient patient work to to un- uncover that. That's very clear. That's another insightful message, knowledge uh, for all of us. Yes, how powerful the unconscious is. It drives our, our behaviors, our personality. Uh, it, shape, it can shape our lives without our, our awareness. Gosh, that is, you know, I can relate to that too. Oh my God, yes. Um, yes, I can very much relate to it. And I don't know how I got to access that information, but I did some of it. But I know it. I wonder if we get to to get you know access most of of the unconscious uh, processes before we die. We might, right, Simon, with effort and we, work. Yeah, yeah. If we keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yes, deeper and deeper. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're almost at the end, and I had so many questions. I have um, so many notes and questions here. I wanted to. Um, go back to the book and ask an open question so I don't have to go um, through all my notes because they are way too many. I would love to meet you again, if possible, sometime oh, in the future. Yeah. So talk to me about the book. So an introduction to self-salutation, an overview of the um, the intention and the purpose of writing this book. And what is what do you see as a vision, as a benefit to all of us who have access to it? Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the the self-salutation is a series of meditations that I teach, which fundamentally are meant to help us greet ourselves or change our relationship with ourselves, greet ourselves in a new way, change our relationship with ourselves. So, <clears throat> of course, a lot of people are familiar with the sun salutation. It's a series of stretches that people do in yoga. And the way the sun salutation works is you do one stretch, like a forward fold, and then you do a counter stretch, like 
a back, some kind of back bend. And in this way, you, you gain strength, you gain balance, you come into a state of harmony. And so the sun salutation is a, a series of meditations that are meant to to do for your heart what the self with the I'm sorry the self salutation is a series of meditations to do for your heart what the sun salutation does for your body. And so the the idea is that we're stretching these opposite poles um we're 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 going in in one way and then going in another way and in developing our capacity for for these opposite directions like the wave that we spoke about or like life is full of paradox and and so like i was saying how self-confrontation and self-love are both connected to each other in a in a certain way and the more we're able to be honest with ourselves about what's in our heart the more we'll be able to love and accept ourselves and the more we're able to love and accept ourselves the more we'll be able to be honest with ourselves and so so th- that's one dynamic the relationship with the self that i teach in in the self salutation learning how to fill yourself with love and acceptance and fill yourself with the courage of of self confrontation and then also in there are meditations that have to do with our relationships with other people learning learning how to uh accept other people as they are I'm going to set them free. Be allow them to be as they are, who they are in their in their own ways. And the the other side to that, or the other pole of that, is learning how to be assertive with other people in in the ways that we need to. Learning how to set our uh, set our boundary and stand in our stand in our power with with people and in a way that allows them to be who they are but but that isn't um um but is very clear about about what our own limits and needs are and then also there are a couple of meditations that have to do with life uh our relationship with life um for for people who are theists, you might think in terms of your relationship with God, but I like the the idea of looking at life because anyone who believes in God probably also has a, an idea about how they should feel toward God, and if you don't feel that way, then it's it, that's a very hard thing to. Uh, um, to look at and to accept and to confront if you believe in God. You know. So, um, but if you look at, at what what's your relationship to life? What's your relationship to how to your life? How you how do you feel about your life? How do you feel about your past? How do you feel about your future? You can start to uncover a lot more meaningful kind of um 
things that that you might you know want to look at or or uh, work on so um so there are two meditations there as well learning how to accept life and learning how to pour your heart into your life with how to how to live your life with abandon so um so that that's the self salutation it's a series there are seven meditations in all and the the book is is a way of uh introducing people to those meditations to the practice and and to the to the process of excavating your heart in in, in this way mm. yes Yes, it's beautiful though. What a beautiful contribution to humanity. Um, it really feels that way. It's, um, uh, you could have actually titled that The Meditations of the Heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it really, you're yeah. really good. Uh, it's beautiful. I love the, um, I mean, I love everything about it. I have to go back actually because I was all over the place, but I have to go back. The Garden of Vulnerability, that caught my attention immediately. Oh, yeah. Ah, yes. You say, although the Garden of Vulnerability is no fun to visit, it is actually not so bad once you know what to do once you get there. In fact, it's a place of healing. Ah, I mean, I resonated with this so much and Mm. so many other things. I mean, I love the way you talk about the syndromes and the effects. They are funny because they're true. Mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, wait a mm-hmm. minute, this that's that's something that I have been through and still go through sometimes. How interesting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it really it, it's so relatable. And then of course the self-salutations. Yeah, the meditations are so beautiful. The one that caught my attention immediately, uh, the seven. There's something about the number seven. I love that number, the number three, mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. But I read it last night, the hummingbird meditation. Mm-hmm. I made me cry, so it was a very mm. something energetically again kind of touched me mm. with that meditation, and I will read it more often. And I want to also mention that you you do offer a free meditation download, a free meditation download, and that That's we right. go to your website. And this is selfsalutation.com slash free mp3. I'll have this on the podcast notes as well. Right. And I also have the, your website, um, selfsalutation.com. Uh, thank you so much, Simon, for your presence in this reality, um, ah, for being open to the being, to your, you know, all the experiences that you have been through, the exploration, the inner exploration. Ah, there's something about being open um, mm. to explore, you know, what is here that just changes everything. So. Thank you so much for having that Thank courage. You, Thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your your podcast. It's uh, it's wonderful to talk. Ah, yes. Thank you so much. I, I love doing this for a reason. <laughs> so we'll be in touch again. Take good care, Simon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Simon Tim and his work, please visit selfsalutation.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>